0: Everybody, welcome to episode 63 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man Bill at Super Flex. Bill, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Excited for the evening. Um, yeah, we got some championship games this weekend, which is always exciting. And uh, probably you could argue the four best teams are in it. So um, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a uh, there's some games going on, and uh, we have a very special guest host. You've seen him before if you've been following along with the show for a little while. we got Drew at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how you doing, man? I'm
2: good. I'm good. Happy to have my team as one of the final four.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and... Uh, there might there might be a table being jumped through that would be pretty fun. Uh, you know, some I'm not
1: of, sure like, I can see Drew doing that, but I'd pay for it.
0: Hey, listen, I I think if the Bulls win the Super Bowl, we we go out on the Twitter, we uh, we find a charity that we all the three of us agree on, and we just raise a whole shitload of money and. You know what, Drew? I'll make you a deal. If they win the Super Bowl and we get a bunch of money raised, I'll jump through a table with you. <laughs> Drew, uh,
1: what a decade of age are you? Uh,
2: I am still in my, my 30s for now.
1: Okay, but cl- getting close to the next one? I am. All right, so body start to not want to go through tables at some point. And uh, <laughs> Josh, you're, you're probably right in that range as well, so... Uh...
0: Bill, I don't believe that. I, I've seen many, many of the elderly in Buffalo put their bodies through a table. <laughs> so, you know what? If they can do it, we can do it too.
1: No, well, there you go. Well, yeah. We
2: the trick is guys. finding one that's not so flimsy. You just hit right into the ground, but not so stiff that it resists and, and hurts you as much as the ground will. So, I'm not sure. I have to do some research here to figure out what the best uh, card table, folding table I setup would be. Amazon
1: has some good. Uh... Like reviews, like yeah, best best table for Bills fans. You know, like that could be a good marketing ploy. Or bet there you, might you, be some message boards in Buffalo where they tell you the correct one to buy.
0: I was going to say, I'm sure if you go on Twitter with a, a hashtag Bills, I'm sure you could get some fans to tell you the uh, the perfect table to uh, to jump through for that. Plus, I think Buffalo has a little bit of a advantage. They get a lot of snow, so they're probably usually. Landing on some of the the powdery stuff, anyway. So,
2: man, some of those videos out there, I don't know what they're thinking. They're not using it if they got it.
0: <laughs> they're also they're also lighting the things on table or lighting them on fire, and you know, I saw one where like a three hundred and fifty pound guy just slammed like a hundred and ten pound girl through one. It was like, I was like, God, God bless these. The great people of Buffalo, New York. Uh, I I visited once. It's it's a nice city, but uh, uh, the people. I guess you don't have a lot to do when uh, nine months out of the year your your town is covered in snow. So, Uh, (laughs) but all right, we. uh, You know, really, you know, today was a really important day in our uh, in our nation's history. Uh, One of the one of the great quarterbacks of our era retired uh philip rivers he uh he hung it up he said adios and then uh probably 30 seconds later everybody with a twitter handle started debating on whether or not he belongs in the hall of fame (laughs) we won't do it here because at, at this point who cares dude had a dude had a great career unfortunately never had the playoff success but uh Guy, guy did it at a high level for a long time, and even this year in Indianapolis, you know, he wasn't elite, but he was really, really good, pretty good, you know. So, uh, good luck yeah. to Philip River.
1: Whole career, he was like a an under, like always a bargain quarterback you could get. Like, I mean, he was a fantastic fantasy quarterback. Just if you look at the quarterback throughout their whole careers compared to their. You know, the cost to add them to your roster, like he's got to be Hall of Fame for that at least.
0: <laughs> I, I felt like uh, Philip Rivers was Matt Stafford before Matt Stafford became cool, he was always that like top 12 guy that really never got any respect. You could get him, you know, if you were playing in one QB leagues or, or redraft leagues, a guy you could get later on in the draft, everyone laughed at you for taking him, and then you were in the championship because the rest of your team was stacked and Philip Rivers was like QB 11. And you're like, yeah, remember when I took him in like the 14th round and you laughed at me? Well, here you go. That's kind of what Matt Stafford has been most of his career is like a guy that criminally underrated, you know, but always kind of ends up in that top 12 as long as he stays healthy. And then, you know, everyone laughs at you during the draft for taking them and you're like, all right, I'll just take my, my top 12 finish. And, uh, go on my merry way. So, good luck to Philip Rivers. Uh, I think he's actually going to be doing more work now. Uh, that dude has like 800 kids. So,
1: I, I, I did like a, a tweet somebody put up that said that he was retiring. Finally, now that he retired, he can start a family.
0: <laughs> like
1: that was hilarious. <laughs> the,
0: the crazy thing about Philip Rivers is though he might have five more kids now that he's retired because that I don't. I mean, working working a. Uh, you know, a pretty good quarterback schedule. You know, obviously you have games and practices throughout most of the year, but, you know, you, you do the commercials and you do the interviews and stuff. It takes up a lot of your time. So the fact that he found time to, well, I think he had like maybe two kids before he even got drafted. So, I mean, he started real early. So, but good luck, Philip Rivers. I'll miss, uh, I'll miss taking you late in drafts and uh, winning championships with you. But uh, that's the only piece of big news that we have. So we're going to move right along to what we saw on the timeline. And uh, this first one was was one I saw thought it was pretty interesting. So I, I wanted to throw it on here. This is from Brett Papp. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. At Brett Al Papp. That's P-A-P-E. So he said he made a trade earlier in the year where he sent Patrick Mahomes to someone for his two best first rounders. And Deshaun Watson. A few weeks later, he made a trade to acquire another first rounder. That first rounder ended up being his first, his best first rounder. Who gets it? So, uh, I put a, a couple other things after that, and we'll talk about that, but in a minute. But so this is this is a weird type of thing because I don't know if I've ever heard someone say, "Hey, like, I'll give you my two best picks." Uh, you know, at the end of the season or whatever the case may be. So um, I have my thoughts, but Drew, since you're our guest, why don't you start us off? Uh, who gets that best first round pick that was acquired after the Deshaun plus for uh, Mahomes trade was made?
2: Man, I, I'm still reading this, trying to to picture this in my head of who did I'll who jump did will
1: Drew, and then you can kind of pop in if you – uh, my thought is like if you got to go with it based on the time the trade was made in my opinion, because what if the person decided to trade all their first rounders and then you end up getting like a third and fourth round pick as the two best picks. So I think that you have to have that as the two best first rounders or two best picks. The person had at the time that the trade was consummated and, um, I think any other way just leads to so much opportunity to kind of ruin the spirit of the trade um, that I think you, as a commissioner, that's what I would rule. I think Um, it's so open-ended. Like it's just that it was, it's a fault of the commissioner to allow it at the first point that I mean, it's it's you should never have allowed that with that verbiage, um, but being that the situation is what it is now, I think you just have to revert back to that. Now, if that guy traded a, another first or something like that, like one of the first one of the picks that were around at that point in time, um, then I think it's fair game, uh, because. I mean, there's so many moving parts that could have happened in the meantime that this is just a horribly concocted trade. And so, uh, but I think that's what I would do. If I, if the guy still has all of his picks from beforehand, um, then I would base it off of those.
2: Yeah, there's got to be something here where you can't, once you've committed to your first round, so I'm trying to visualize this. If If I had... Josh's and Bill's first round picks and somebody else had mine through a series of trades before, then great. You know, uh, Brett's going to get Josh's and Bill's when we make this trade. And then if I make another one to acquire my first back and my team just sucks, and then my pick ends up being the highest, um, that's tough. Uh, that's a tough one. Cause uh, yeah, it's so ambiguous. So that's where the commissioner has to step in and, and make a call. And then you're setting a precedent for, for down the road. And hopefully you, you amend your bylaws where, Conditional crap like that isn't an option unless there's uh, maybe there's more context here in this league where it's a, a normal thing and, and there's something that's clearer, but yeah That's just so confusing to try to keep track of that and as a commissioner I would hate to try to keep track of who did what when time stamping these things. So um, if, if you want to first just send the two first if you know Patrick Mahomes was worth worth whatever first you had anyway, so Send them over take
0: Mahomes, be happy and go from there so I am going to both agree and disagree with Bill. Uh, the agree part, he's right. This is so open-ended. Like, so what if I ha- what if I have these two picks, and I'm making a run, and I trade these picks for other assets? Then do you get those assets? Like, am I in default of the deal? And then I have to trade. Mahomes, back to you. Like, like like Bill said, it's so open-ended and I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of the million permeations that could happen. But I think where I disagree with Bill, and I, I could be a minority here, but I, I, I actually pulled this up from Wikipedia because the only thing I could relate this to in my own head is Major League Baseball trades where there's the player to be named later because these are really like picks to be named later, because we don't know where they're going to be. We don't know who has what. And pretty much the Major League Baseball rule is that the trades aren't finalized until a later date, usually at the conclusion of the season. So there have actually been four instances, as a fun fact side note on this, there were four players in major league baseball history that have actually been traded for themselves. Uh, they were the player to be named later. And the team actually just sent them back as the player to be named later. Um, but besides that fun fact, I almost think that this trade can't fully be consummated until the end of the season, because we don't know where any of these picks are going to lie. obviously, the person trading the picks had more than two uh, because the trade says it's the highest of the two that they have. So I feel that at that point, at the end of the season, the two highest first round picks that that person has, that's who gets sent. And if that was because, as in Drew's example, he reacquired his own first round pick, which ended up being a 101, that's the pick that gets sent. I also agree with you, Drew, in the fact that you should have just given up your two best or what you thought would be your two best first anyway, because you're freaking getting Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, as as Bill said, this is so open ended that he's looking at it one way as a commissioner. I'm looking at it another way as a commissioner. I, and when I say I disagree with Bill, it's not even me saying Bill is wrong because I totally understand what Bill's saying. Like, it's just so confusing that I I just think, you know, the three of us can look at this and read it three different ways and come up with three different ideas because it's not just a set trade. It's not just a you get the Sean Watson, you get, you know, Bill's first round pick and you get Josh's first round pick. That's the trade. It's over with. Wherever they end up is where they end up. And we all move on in their day. And I also agree with you, Drew. I hope this is a a one-time deal, and the commissioner amends the bylaws, updates the bylaws to say that, like, look, you make the trade on the day you make the trade. If there's picks involved, you need to list what the picks are and not have any of this stuff. Now, the good news is is that uh, Brett says later on in the tweet – both parties always assumed the deal was regarding the picks he owned at that time. Uh commissioner released a draft order and gave me a pick that wasn't part of the agreement, which I guess is how it all came around. He said, it's all been worked out. And the other party has the best pick as he should. Uh, and then he, he just, you know, appreciates the input. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's on the commissioner, right? Like he's yes. the one that botched the whole thing. Like, that's it's hard to remember everything like as commissioner, like there's trades that happen that I kind of glance at real quick and then that's it. Like, I'm not like inspecting everyone, but when you see something that has verbiage in it, you know, or, or anything you, that you're reading the comments there and if they don't bring it up there, that's their fault. But like, I mean, even if there's no bylaws to address that and I see that I'm not letting it happen in any of my leagues. You know what I mean? Like, so it ultimately it is, it's a learning experience mainly for the commish. Like, and just, if you're a league, uh, uh, not a commish, like you shouldn't be doing that garbage anyway, because it's so ambiguous. Like there's just no, like, it could be deciphered so many ways that like, you're just, you're running into a situation like this, and now imagine if one of the people didn't agree. What a cluster that would be! Like you're basically just, I mean, causing so much drama that's unnecessary by not explaining exactly what your intent was.
0: And, and you took the words right out of my mouth, Bill, because if you and I had made this trade, because obviously we we see it a little bit differently, you know, you would be sitting in a position saying, "Well, these are the two picks you should get," and I would be sitting in a position saying, "Well," you acquired this higher pick, so now I should get that because it said the best two, you know, and you start an argument where an argument doesn't need to be started, and, you know, commissioners, uh, you know, A, Drew, and Bill both mentioned it. Bylaws are important, man. Have your bylaws, have your stuff, but Bill also brought up a good point. I've never read a set of bylaws that says, like, you can't trade for... Conditional picks or whatever, but that's where a best interest of the league clause comes in. Where you step in and you go, No, 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 no. look, look, this could start a real problem later on down the road. I, we're not going to do it. If you want to name the two picks, name the two picks and the trade can go through, no problem. But you know, I, I think sometimes commissioners have. They're almost scared to use that best interest of the league clause if they have it because they don't want to seem like dictators or seem like, you know, they're like ruling with an iron fist. The rule shouldn't be abused, but you have it there so that in situations like this, you can use it. And I think this is a situation where it would need to be used. So, uh, so Brett, I think, I think Drew and Bill agreed. With kind of the way you and the other owner saw it, I disagreed a little bit, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think anybody's wrong. It's just too open-ended to to say, here's a right answer. Here's a wrong answer. This is what you should have done and you did it right or you did it wrong. So hopefully, Brett, you don't make another trade like this and you don't have the, the confusion next time. Uh, all right. So this next one, I put this next one on here just for Bill, because uh, this is one of his uh, favorite players in Dynasty. Uh, this is from Fantasy Fan at Fantasy ff 15 uh, He says, how do you guys feel about Baker and Dynasty? Uh, someone you're trying to buy or no? So, uh, Bill, I'll let you start since this is one of your guys. Baker is your dude. Uh you like him you like him for dynasty and are you trying to buy him right now
1: uh, am I trying to buy him no I am absolutely not trying to buy him um, because I just know that people there's enough people that like him more than I do that the price will be more than I want to pay um, do I like him for dynasty I like him a lot better now than I did last off season for dynasty I think that you know there's a pretty decent shot of him getting a second contract now whereas i wasn't quite sure about that um and you know the thing is though it's it's only been six maybe six weeks the last six seven weeks that he's started to look good again um or good ish um he's still you know he's very limited in what they're asking him to do so it's like one of these things where yeah he can manage it so, like, is that somebody I'm looking to add in particular? No, because I don't think he's ever going to be prolific. It's always going to be hot, hot or cold kind of thing. Um, but I do feel like there's maybe a little bit more security. And I think a lot of times, like, if you're in Superflex, that's something that you're looking for. Um, if it's not Superflex, he's absolutely not somebody I'm l- looking to add to my teams. I mean, he's he's a guy that I consider streaming. Um, so that's pretty much my answer on Baker.
0: What about you, Drew? Do you like Baker? And, uh, are you, uh, are you trying to buy right now?
2: Man, I bought in heavy after his rookie year and, uh, I endured last year and held knowing that I was not going to get anywhere near what I should for him. Uh, A couple of startups this year, I was able to get them real cheap. So in one super flex, I've got him as my QB three behind Mahomes and Allen, which is awesome. And I feel great with him there. Like Bill's saying. In another league uh, where I took him after his rookie year, he's my QB one right now in a super flex with Daniel Jones. And uh, that hurts. Um, I like the guy. I want him to do well. Uh, I love watching him play the last few weeks when he kind of got his swagger back and uh, you know, he is, he's a good quarterback for that scheme at this point, running the play action, handing off, being able to do some, some basic stuff. Um, You know, he had that one blow up game uh, against the Steelers, which was awesome to watch uh, in the division, but uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to try to get him to mind my rosters for what people are going to be asking for him. And likewise, if I have him, I don't think anybody's making me an offer. That's going to make me want to move him at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, do I like Baker? I, I think I'm kind of with Bill. Like, yeah, I like him more than I liked them last off season. Obviously. I mean, the Freddie kitchens experiment was, you know, a, a disaster it wasn't good for anybody on that team really besides maybe Nick Chubb and you know with uh Kevin Stefanski coming over I mean really kind of putting in a system that you know highlights his strengths which you know the team strengths which is the run game and you know minimizing the weakness which is you know like we don't need Baker to throw 50 times a game in order to try to win you know I think they kind of have a winning formula and I think you know, next year will be a little bit better because Baker will have now a second year in the system and, you know, maybe breaking open the playbook a little bit more, so on and so forth. Um, But he's not somebody I want to buy right now, just for the fact that I think if you have Baker, you watch that last six weeks, you watch that playoff game against the Steelers, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, Baker is, he's heating up, He's you know, and that's what the owner of Baker is going to say, if you try to get him in a deal, they're going to say, well, he was hot the last six weeks and he had a good playoff game and it's going to cost. And, you know, for a guy that I think is a, you know, solid QB2, I mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking the bank for him. You know what I mean? If now someone is just like, Hey, I want to get Baker off my team before he, you know. He craps on himself again and they want to give you, you know, a fair market deal or a, you know, even below market deal. All right. I'll always listen on a trade for anyone, but I don't think too many Baker owners are in that boat right now. They kind of saw those flashes at the end of the season and that's what they're going to be going into 2021 with kind of visions of that. So, yeah, I'm not. uh, I'm not buying, but a fantasy fan actually DM to me later on. Um, and he, he was asking about some, some trade ideas. So I I wanted to run them by you guys and see what you guys thought about them. So, uh, this is a super flex league. Uh, he's saying his only QB is Darnold and he's rebuilding. He has five first rounders, including the one Oh one. So, uh, He's got Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> unless he trades that pick for a haul that includes another quarterback. Uh, he's got Trevor Lawrence, but um, he also has the 112. So, his question was, Do you think I should move the 112 and the 206 for Baker and a 2022 second? So, uh, Drew, what do you think? Are you uh are you taking the two picks, or do you want Baker in that twenty twenty two second? Uh,
2: I I'd be pretty tempted to take Baker in the in the future second. Uh, I'm always a, a fan of trying to spread out some of the picks over a couple of years too. Um, I'm not a Devy guy by any stretch, so I, I'm not sure what second round next year looks like. Um, but you know the the last pick of this year for uh, if Baker is going to be your QB two behind Trevor Lawrence in a season or two and then you've still got the 105, 107, 109 to go and load up on some of the top wide receiver, tight end talent, depending on what you've got already for the rest of the roster. I, I would be very tempted to, to do that and getting a guy that's established. You have some upside in Darnold. So depending on what happens with the Jets, if he gets traded or if the new new coach likes him and, and actually coaches him, uh, you know, he could come out with a, a pretty nice stable of quarterbacks here for Superflex.
0: And uh, Steve... It says uh, "Bills, Ma- Bills, Mafia in the house." Am I too late to make a donation for Drew's table jump, Drew? Or I'm sorry, Steve. It's never too late. It is never too late. We're gonna we're gonna get that going if the Bills win the Super Bowl. So I told D- I told uh, Drew I do it in solidarity. So if the Bills win, we're both going through a table, and then I probably have to like get a Josh Allen tattoo or something after that. So, um, all right, Bill, what do you think? You. You taking the picks, or do you want Baker in that twenty twenty two second?
1: I'd probably make that trade. I think that that's pretty. I mean, you're getting two years at least out of him. That's through his fifth year option. I'm sure they're gonna add that. And you know, so late first, essentially, for Baker, because you're just trading a a second for a second, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally down for a starting quarterback uh, that I know I'm going to get two years out of for that. Um, I think that's, like, easy money, to be honest. But that being said, I'm not sure how much earlier I would go for that trade. So, like, I'm not giving, like, the 106 for him. So it's, like, one of these things where, like, I think it's a good trade. I think it's probably um, good value even. Yeah. but I think like when you get into like 108, 107, that's getting iffy for me. Um, so probably I feel okay 109 or later um, to make that trade.
0: Yeah, and I I told them that I do agree with you guys. I do think it's a fair trade. I told them to, to kind of sit put because we have not gotten into the primetime rookie fever stage of the offseason yet. We still got games going. There's still a Super Bowl to be played, you know, but, uh, you know, the Senior Bowl is going to be on soon. And that, unfortunately, that looks like it's going to be the highlight of, like, hype season with the Combine pretty much being canceled except for, like, some medical stuff and things like that. So, unfortunately, until we get to, like, pro days, uh, the Senior Bowl is kind of be the highlight of, seeing the incoming rookie class or some of the incoming rookie class, seeing what they can do, looking at measurables, and then waiting until pro days start. But we all know playing the game that right now people aren't really talking about picks. But, man, you know, Super Bowl comes and goes, and then we start getting into March. All of a sudden those picks gain value and gain value. And I think that the 112 could – net you a little bit more than baker and when i say a little bit more i'm talking about like maybe like the 112 for like baker and a third or something like that or baker and a fourth just because like the hype is going to be there especially in a super flex if somebody and you know you can kill me if this is not what you know mocks are saying right now but like Trey lance is there at like 112 where he's like maybe sitting behind a guy for a couple of years but you want to get him because he's supposed to be the next big thing like you might be able to sell somebody on like hey like you could get trey lance and all you have to do is give me like baker and a third or you can get mac Jones if he you know he you know goes to a spot you know maybe late in the first and you can get big you know and that's that's kind of That's what I told him, but I also told him that like I don't think the trade is uh, uneven. So if you wanted to do it now and just kind of lock it in, because that's the risk you run, too, if you're focused on Baker, that the Baker owner gets a deal from someone else and just sells them off, and then you're kind of out in the cold. But you have five first-round picks. I have a feeling you're going to end up with (laughs) at least one quarterback in, in Trevor Lawrence, and you could end up with, you know, Multiple quarterbacks. If you, you know, maybe get Justin Fields at one hundred five if he ends up in a less than advantageous situation, or Mac Jones or Trey Lance or you know whatever other quarterback is out there. So um, that was good. Why well, I wanted to run that trade by you that he he lent to me and see if uh, if we were on similar pages.
2: Yeah, this this is one that's close enough. I'm trying to get better at this in Dynasty, especially where. Uh, I don't sweat the the second piece as much if it's small like that. So if if I want that starting QB, you know, let's let's do it if the offer's on the table. And that's the beauty of a dynasty, right? Is it could go the range of outcomes for this could be so far apart that uh, you know sometimes you just have to say screw it. I, I know I need a good QB two behind Lawrence. Let's do it. And like Bill said, I wasn't even thinking you know second for a second. You're you're it's an even swap there. So I like it even more after after hearing Bill talk through it.
0: Yeah, and. You know, it's interesting because we hear this every year and then we hear it every year at this time and then it changes, obviously. But we always say, well, next year's class isn't going to be as good as this year's class. And then once we get to like November, December, then it's like, well, there's all these good guys coming out in this class. And, you know, this year it's kind of like, you know, they're probably going to be, you know, four first round quarterbacks. And that's going to end up pushing down a lot of other players in your, you know, in your rookie drafts. So, you know, you take you take that kind of with a grain of salt, because I have a feeling that even though people are saying 2022 doesn't look as good as 2021 does, that by the time we're doing talking about 2022, we're going to be like, oh, you know, this is kind of a good draft, you know. And so. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you feel it, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person where. At this time of year, I'm stingy with my picks because I know those picks are, especially like first rounders, are just going to keep increasing in volume until we get to those rookie drafts and the fever is, you know, at 107. And we're, you know, we're all just wanting rookies and getting them on our team. And, you know, I saw somebody give up three first rounders last year for the 101. And then that guy actually ended up taking Tua and not Burrow, which, I mean, I think the whole the whole draft room just like dropped when when they saw that because everyone just assumed oh, this guy just traded three first for Joe Burrow, like get it, like if you know, and he was like he's like two was my guy, two was my we're like, oh okay. Like I don't I don't know if I would have traded three first for two of them, but uh, all right. So uh trade yeah. for the one oh two. What the- <laughs> <laughs> I could have kept another one of those first too in the process but uh yeah the fever is going to get up there at some point, and uh that I usually like to to hold on to my picks until we get a lot closer to those drafts and just watch that val- uh, that value increase but yeah do it if do it if it feels right and uh you know don't let uh don't let anyone else stop you so this next one is from the dynasty polster at dynasty polster what would you rather have in a 10 team Superflex league Aaron Rodgers, and he put the MVP or the 2020 106. So this is an interesting one. This is the the age-old dynasty argument, the uh the older player versus the incoming rookie. So Bill, who you got? Do you want uh, you want a rod or do you want the nice shiny 106? Muted.
1: I know. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, this is probably, um, you know, team dependent and where you are. If you're a contender that needs a quarterback, then go a- go Rodgers. But I mean, Rodgers, regardless of his performance, is going to slowly lose value, no matter what. Um, could he play another four years? He v- he very well could. Could the person you draft with the one hundred and six? Play only four years? Yes. So, I mean, when you look at it that way, I mean, to get a quarterback that's going to be at worst um, a QB1 probably. Um, Wow, I'm talking myself into Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, I was thinking I was going to go 106 when I started talking, um, but I think I'm going Rodgers.
0: Going Rodgers. And realize too, I'm a su- well. This is a ten-team league, so this and may this is even early,
1: be- right? Like this is so early. Like I, I, gotta plead ignorance when it comes to all the um, rookies. Mm-hmm. Like I typically don't pay attention to them uh, until draft season starts. So like after the Super Bowl. Um. So, like I don't have much of an answer. I can't even tell you like which quarterbacks I like yet. So.
0: Right.
1: Um. Yeah, I think I'm going Rodgers.
0: And this is interesting because in a 10-team league, if this 106 is his own pick, he's he's probably like the last guy who made the playoffs. So he's a better team, but he's, you know, now also 2020 was crazy. So maybe he had like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon and they both yeah. got hurt and he still limped in. You never know. But, um, Drew, what do you think? Do you want A-Rod or do you want the 106?
2: And I sent Rogers for the 104 last year, which turned into Jonathan Taylor for me. Um, I I, I lean to the pick on this. You know, another year looking at age taking its toll. Which I mean, Rodgers is every time you watch him, the guy is is the most talented one out there, um, which is great. And you always have the the opportunity for a huge game. Uh, he's just been so efficient this year. Uh, five years ago it was 300 plus yard games plus three touchdowns and now it's four touchdowns and 230 yards um so i i'll take the uh the rookie coming in at the 106 i've been doing a little bit of homework you're looking at probably a couple of quarterbacks a couple of running backs and then it's uh probably Pitts and chase going next rounding out your top six at this point until you know landing spots and other stuff hits um, so if I have, you know, depending on what your settings are, if it's a tight end premium, I, I'd love to take Pitts there in the middle of the first, uh, if he's as generational as everybody says he is, if he's as good as his film looks, but, um, yeah. And, and even then I, I would consider, you know, if depending, like you said, the structure of my team, maybe I do have some injured studs that are coming back. Maybe I've got Sutton and Saquon or something, like you said, and maybe I bump back and I go 108, 109 and, and gather some more assets too. And, you know, it's right on that fence where maybe I can take the 106 and take, you know, a, a, third tier quarterback and bump up and get somebody younger too. So, you know, that one Oh six is pretty flexible where you could make a lot of arguments for staying there and seeing who falls uh, trading back, depending on the the roster that you've got, or possibly packaging a little bit more and getting something better. That would be maybe not better, but somebody that will last a little bit longer than Rogers will.
0: Yeah. and This is actually one of those, you know, I said earlier to, you know, the old guy versus the rookie, but I think this is also a, it's almost like the middle of the pack team conundrum where it's like, you either have to figure out, are you, are you selling everything and just starting from scratch and trying to, to be a rebuilder? Or are you trying to do everything you can to acquire studs and try to make yourself a contender? And that, you know, middle of the pack teams always have that struggle because it's hard to make the decision on which way you're going to go. And at one Oh six, it might be one of those conundrums, like which way are you going to go? And as much as I hate the answer, Bill's right because you really do have to assess the team. Uh, You have to assess the team and see, you know, was it just that like injuries and COVID sapped you this year and your team is really good and you have guys and you should be able to bounce back and go for a championship? Or were you, A team that maybe got lucky, maybe maybe some other teams in your league got sapped with injuries and COVID and you snuck in the back door and you realize that, you know, in most normal years, maybe you're looking more at like the 103 or the 104 instead of the 106. And at that time, sell Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, unfortunately, you didn't sell Aaron Rodgers during the season when he was hot because I think you could have gotten a much better haul than the 106. Um but you know, at this point I w- I went with Aaron Rodgers just because uh I think that he can do more. I mean, I guess I always err on the side of trying to make the trades together a couple more studs if I'm, you know, that kind of last team to get into the playoffs as opposed to blowing it all up uh but yeah i mean this is tough i feel like it's almost like 50 50 you could flip a coin and not be wrong but if you know if i had to make the choice i'd go with aaron Rodgers. all right so the next one we got here is from shane at shane is the worst uh what's up shane uh your draft your startup draft is tonight. You're on the clock. Who are you drafting? So, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, or J.K. Dobbins? Um, I have a feeling we're all going to give the same answer, but maybe we're not. So, uh, so Drew, why don't you start us off? Uh, which one of the four rookie running backs are you taking on the clock in your dynasty startup?
2: I think uh, my head and most of I, I, my my heart and most of my head say Jonathan Taylor, and that's who I actually voted for in the poll when I saw it pop up. Just knee jerk. Um, I, I think my head could try to talk my heart into uh, Dobbins getting more market share next year, since Ingram just got released. Um, you know, he seemed to come on at the end of the season as well. Uh, I thought he and Taylor were very close in the draft last year, uh, so I, I passed on Dobbins last year and took Taylor instead. Um, So now you have a question mark, at quarterback for, for the Colts, but uh, ultimately I trust Frank Reich and I think he's a a good coach. I think they've made some good draft picks. They've got a good line. So uh, I'll stick with my Jonathan Taylor pick.
0: Bill. Go ahead, Josh. I mean, it's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, um, I'm not going to be difficult about this. Okay. So
1: I also agree. It's Jonathan Taylor. And my my question was going to go beyond that and talk about the next three guys and who you would take. So, um, drew kind of already answered it for himself. So how about you, Josh, who would you take?
0: That's tough because
1: the poll results are almost spot on for all three of them. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's very much a pick your poison kind of thing. And, um, so I'm just curious that like, that's kind of where I wanted to go with when I put this on the sheet.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's smart. That's uh because I- I'm sitting here struggling now because I've been on like a JK Dobbins roller coaster where like, I was really high on him in the pre-draft process. And then he got drafted to Baltimore and like an idiot. I looked at situation rather than talent. And then I was like, I, I went down on him. And then, yeah, you heard I'm sorry, me. What you heard me right? Um, and then, if our the, show
1: only had clips to start in an intro,
0: Bill, you edit. You can you can make it happen. Um, then you know it was a little rough at the beginning of the season. Mark Ingram was actually getting plays and doing stuff, and then towards the middle of the season, ooh. Uh, the Gus bus started doing his thing, but then towards the end of the season, I went back up and, uh, you know, liked them a lot, but it, it's, it's, be it's between him and funny enough, uh, Deandre Swift. Um, cam Akers is like really close behind those two guys, but that's the coin flip for me. I think I would take Swift with a gun to my head. But, I mean, those two are so freaking close. Like, I could I could do, you know, 100 startups and in that position take Swift 50 times and take Dobbins 50 times, and it would just depend on which way the wind was blowing. So, I say Swift, but it's so close. What about you, Bill? You won't take Swift. I know that.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of like a tough one, right? Like, I mean, because there's, there's a lot of, you know... Reasons to pick each guy, but then there's always there's also a reason not to pick that guy, and like Dobbins, as much as I like Dobbins, like the fact that you know yeah they got rid of Ingram, but they're gonna bring somebody else in, like that's just how they're gonna play the game I think, and maybe they don't take a lot, but they're gonna take some of his touches away, and you know it's not like um, Gus isn't gonna or somebody's gonna replace him, you know if he doesn't come back for whatever reason, but. I can't see him if he gets similar offer from them as someone else that he doesn't come back just because he's like the perfect fit for that that offense. Um, the negative to Dobbins is the amount of um, targets he gets. Like I'm not really sure that he's going to get a ton of targets with um, Lamar as a quarterback. And in this playoff game, he had two awful drops. Like they they were terrible. So. Like, I mean, maybe it was nerves because it was a playoff game. You know, who knows? But um, they were very easy. Um, so that makes me question maybe that he's not quite as refined of a receiver as maybe we, or at least I thought. Um, so then that takes me to the other two backs. And, I mean, receiving is king, right, for for running back, for anybody. So I think that Swift is the best option of those I think that they have a good enough line. I think that, you know, the, the offense will be fine. Um, you know, the defense is the issue, right? But even if the defense is bad, I mean, that's not a bad thing for the offense. Like, for fantasy. So, um, Akers is kind of an iffy one because he didn't really start getting a ton of touches till later in the season. And I've always told myself not to fall for those late season running backs that blow up because they're playing against tired defenses and they're coming in with fresh legs. So as much as I like what Akers has done or yeah, Akers has done um, in the second half and actually probably the last third of the season, I still am a little hesitant to crown him this great running back. Um, so, I mean, I am there is a bias in there obviously. He's a Lion, so it makes it like easy to just say well, Bill is is Lion's fandom coming out, but I think just based on those reasons um he is the most dynamic. He's, you know, removing all other situations, I think he's the best running back of the three, so I'm going to go with him.
0: All right. There you go. So, Shane, if you're on the clock again, and the other three guys are there, you got a uh, you got two for Swift and one for Dobbins. So,
1: and the result poll results were very close. It was like seventy some percent for Jonathan Taylor, which obviously like everybody felt the same. But then the other guys were all seven or eight percent. So yeah, like it was like you know it wasn't like they they separated from each other. It was just it's totally a three sided coin flip. It's hard to pass up
2: a Georgia running back. I'll, I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. They all do well, except for Sony.
0: It's, Sony did well in like that, like two games. <laughs> Patriot
1: way. It's the
0: Patriot yeah, way. Yeah, we can
1: blame the Patriots for that for sure.
0: Um, So we're going to move on to the next one here. And yeah, that's going to be interesting because I have a feeling that if, you start with Jonathan Taylor, I feel like the three out of the next five picks will probably be those three guys because uh they're all like pretty uh pretty much well regarded around the uh the community. What if James
2: Robinson's in that mix? That change anything for you guys?
1: I mean, I think he lumps in right with the other guys. Like I don't necessarily think that he separates from those other guys. So I definitely have a bias with him. Like, I have a very hard time wrapping my head around him doing so well. And, But he did. He was, like, the best running back for consistently throughout the season. He kind of petered out at the end. But if you said who, you know, because Jonathan Taylor had, like, started out okay, and then he dropped down to, like, we were scared, and then he kind of picked it up again at the end, or the second half, like, I don't know. I think he's he's right in that mix, though. But, I mean, I, I'm going with the guy that I've, you know, I've liked longer. Um, and that's the problem, right? It's very hard to get past those biases of, like, I didn't even... He didn't even get drafted in any of my leagues. I mean, or many of my leagues. And so, it's like... And now, he's like, uh, RB1? Like, he he's definitely going to be a value, I think. He's going to be the last one picked out of those guys, I think, in startups in the before the draft for sure and so that's an interesting one like uh, um two drink brought that up in our draft or when we were talking last week on the show and adding him into a lump about running backs and he's he's a really hard one to you know put a finger on and say you know this is where he belongs so i don't know What, what do you think
0: josh so here's my thing about james robinson I was wrong on James Robinson in the beginning where, you know, I saw people using like all their fab to pick him up. And I was like, you guys are insane. Like he's an undrafted free agent. Like they almost never do well, except for a few, you know, situations that you can cherry pick. And then he ended up being the the best rookie running back out of anybody, including Jonathan Taylor and the, the other guys we mentioned. And, you know, I will, you know, I will admit my mistake and say, you know, I was wrong on on James Robinson. But here is where my fear for this year comes in he has the talent to get the job done. And everyone's response that I hear is that the Jaguars are not going to spend capital to, acquire other running backs. But my response to that is they're going to upgrade the running back room because Divino Zigbo and Daria Gumbawale is not what you want to have as the other bullets in your gun. I'm not saying they're going to they're going to sign Aaron Jones or they're going to draft uh you know Travis Etienne or Najee Harris in the first round but you know Jamal Williams is a free agent what if Jamal Williams comes there he's not you know he's not an RB a fantasy RB1 but if you're telling me that a guy like that can't take you know touches away from James Robinson you know I disagree with you you know and and that's my problem I think they're going to upgrade the room and I think upgrading the room he had like the highest snap percentage of any running back this year i think it was like 85 percent. like i can't believe that in 2021 he gets 85 percent. you know snap share like i i you know i just don't believe that to be true and that's where i think the problem with james robinson can lie it's not a talent thing it's a it's not going to be divina zigbo and daria gumbawale thing and <laughs>
1: He's got to be a top 15 running back, doesn't he?
0: Oh, oh, for sure.
1: And Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, where do you peg him, right? Like, that's, that's kind of like, is he a top 12? Is he a, a RB1? Like, he's a tough one to put, you know, just to kind of guess. What do you, like, before we get into that, Drew, what's your thoughts on your question? And then maybe we figure out where he is as a running back.
2: Yeah. I, I was definitely more skeptical earlier on. I got to give credit to my father-in-law who, uh, he was one of, I think four people who drafted him in Scott (laughs) fishbowl with like the 22nd pick in his, in his division. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Bobby, uh, super flex He did that. Um, but, uh, the further we get closer to the draft, uh, the more I believe in him. I think, uh, Yeah, I'm fine if they add a a free agent like, you know, maybe they pick up um, Marlon Mack for cheap or they get uh, Williams to come over. Uh, Upgrade is fine in that room because uh, 75% or 70% of the opportunity there with Trevor Lawrence at your quarterback for the upgrade, you know, whether it's their line, their defense, something, because he was was the most heavily used rookie, uh, regardless of game script. So he was catching, which, you know, we're just getting done saying that, uh, you know, uh, receptions are king. So. Uh, I, I like him. Um, I'm trying to kind of measure that and temper that and make sure I don't go overboard. The reason I ask is because in, in a 12-team superflex with tiered PPR, where running backs get a half point. Uh, right before the playoffs, uh, I, I actually sent Dobbins for Robinson in the 112 this year. And uh, I, I'm still sorting that. I feel pretty good about it still. But, yeah, just kind of curious where he lands there. As far as where I would peg him, uh, I, I'm trying to think, you know, would I rather have him or David Montgomery next year? Oops, sorry um, you know I'm would sorry. I rather have uh, would I rather have Robinson or Montgomery next year and i I'd rather have Robinson I think uh, and Montgomery ended as I think like the the RB 14 or something like that in PPR this year so I think top fifteen somewhere in there is uh, right about right
1: yeah, I think you're right I think that like I would rather have him than Montgomery like I one hundred percent do because. We've already seen what Montgomery plays. They want to have another back that complements him a fair amount. The only reason they didn't was because they lost everybody, and you know Cordero Patterson ends up being the RB two. Whereas, you know there were other options for Jacksonville. They weren't great options, but at least they were. They actually were their options, um, and it just looked like the usage. Like he played well the whole time. Where, again, Montgomery, he showed up when he had really bad matches late late in the season after being out for a couple of weeks. So it's like fresher legs versus weaker defenses. So it's just one of these things where I 100% agree with that. I, I, I think he's in that 12 to 15 range. Um, there's just too many guys I would rather have, and I'm sure I'm probably underrating him compared to his um, performance. You know, like maybe his perceived value is greater than or or lower than his actual value, and um, you know maybe I need to try to work on, you know, breaking that um, out of my brain so that I get a few shares of him um, because he could end up being. I mean, he looks the part. You know what I mean? Every Mm -hmm. time I saw him play, he did look the part. I mean, like, is he better than I don't know who's in the do you right, want but- him or do you want um like Joe him plus or Joe Mixon? I mean, like honestly. I mean you're oh. probably I mean, I don't know. Like I don't I don't know the answer. It's kind of like go ahead I'd and be answer, very interested Jeff. in
2: what the plus is uh for Mixon. And I think you'll find a lot of folks that are low enough on Robinson that you get a pretty good plus with him.
0: So Let's play a little game. Since I looked up DLF ADP for January, and this is just just running backs here. And Drew, you mentioned David Montgomery, who's RB twenty. Oh, okay. Um, Bill, you mentioned Joe Mixon, who is RB nineteen. Oh my god! And good,
1: good for the market to actually <laughs> like.
0: What about Antonio? Right Gibson? Well, let's let's see how much you want to praise the market, or. The guy we're talking about, James Robinson, who is RB18.
1: (laughs) I mean, at least they're valued similarly. Like, I mean, like I'm surprised Joe Mixon is that low, but I guess the fact that um, he was out, you know, a lot of times with these mocks, it's like out of sight, out of mind a little bit.
2: Yeah, people forget to scroll.
1: Yeah. So,
0: all right, let's, we'll just do, we'll just do quick yes or no, and I'll, I'll work my way up here. Uh, James Robinson or Austin Eckler? <laughs>
1: That's difficult for me. That is
2: tough. Yeah, you Herbert, young offense. Um, Lynn is gone. Uh, I could probably, probably flip a coin. If I'm going
0: with, uh, I, I prefer the youth. Uh, so yeah. I, I'd probably take Robinson. All right. So you guys are going Robinson. All right. Let's work our way up. James Robinson or Aaron Jones?
1: See, I guess these are harder than I expected. Like, <laughs> because I could easily go Eckler and not regret my decision like immediately. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's kind of the same thing with Aaron Jones. Um, I'm probably going for the young guy there. Um, so I, uh, yes, I'll take Robinson. Yeah, I, I like Eckler more than
2: Jones. So if I like Robinson more than okay. Eckler, I like I like
0: uh, Robinson more than Jones. Antonio Gibson, rookie on rookie violence here.
1: Damn, this is tough. <laughs> so we can agree these guys are all in the same tier. Right? 100%. So why don't we go until we find somebody who's not in the
0: tier? All right. So let – okay. James Robinson or Ezekiel Elliott? I would have all right, to keep continue. going. Uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders. Keep going. Quiet edwards
1: I think he's got to be in the same tier.
0: Okay. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Go so I mean, close. Keep going? Yeah. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Yeah, Chubb. I
1: mean, so that's I, our... I guess I have to go Chubb, but I mean, I can't... I think that's based on market value, though. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to make... The, I'm making that decision on market value. Am I making that decision? I mean, because you know that Kareem Hunt's going to be there. So, like, I know they both did well, um, but... Can you go a few more? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins. I mean, probably the same tier. Derrick Henry. I mean, I think I have to take Derrick Henry. You have there to take Derrick Henry. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, uh, just so, for because I know the value is so much. Like, I mean, just during the season, you could sell him for a, you know, a, hat, so, a small nation.
0: So, Drew, your your cutoff was Nick Chubb, so you got you got him at RB10. James Robinson kind of slots in in that RB10 range before okay. you before you say hey like you know the rest yeah. of the guys behind him are pretty much in the same tier. And Bill you tap out at RB8.
1: Yeah, so like from 8 to 20 is in the same tier for me. Like that's yeah. the point. So right, right. I'm going to I'm going to take a guy who is like if I can get a couple running backs in that tier. I don't mind it.
0: So here, here's my question. I want to go up one more to see if this is a head scratcher for you guys. So Derek Henry's RB seven. Deandre Swift is RB six. Same guy.
1: Who was seven
0: Henry. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. I think people are pricing in his age, assuming that he's going to, you know, the wear and tear on him. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, I would he rather could have still Hayden. be up there.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, there. he could literally be from 6 to 20. Right. And I wouldn't argue with it. Like, you know, that's how crazy it is. Like, I think I think that they're, the, all those running backs are so interchangeable. Yep. That, like, and that might tell you, like, when you're in a startup, you don't have to take the number 7 running back. You might yep. be able to take somebody else in a different position that you – you feel good about or way better about and not feel bad that you don't take a running back and you wait until it comes
0: back around and well i I will say this based on adp it seems like 20 is the cutoff that you want to have at least one of those guys in the top 20 yeah preferably two because then you you get into the Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin, you really start getting into some mm-hmm. some of that question mark territory. So it seems like twenty is kind of like kind of the arbitrary line where you want to hopefully have one of those guys. But like, like you're saying, Bill, from like seven to twenty or eight to twenty, it's really mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. pick your poison. Who do you like? What are you looking for? And
1: like, how I do startups, I'm not taking Derrick Henry. Like, I'll say that right now. So, like, I would be more apt to take, Uh, who are we talking about? Robinson. Robinson. over Not over him, but I would be more apt to go, I'm going to wait one more round, right. let it come back around to me, and I'll take Robinson as opposed to taking Derrick Henry just because I'm not going to, like, mm. get a 27-year-old running back. Like, that's just not how I do startups. So um yeah man that's that's interesting i'm glad we did this that actually is super helpful um for me at least maybe not our listeners who knows but
0: well no I, i mean i think this is questions that have to be asked during a startup like it is it more advantageous to i mean henry is going you know rounding up he's going at the 14th pick so maybe is it more advantageous to try to get yourself maybe a kittle at 14 and then go with James Robinson in the next round or do you want a Derrick Henry and you know you know what let me let me see what's going on in like well, and James, this is why there.
1: people this is why people or a lot of people say you know it's better to do tiers correct than it is to do you know go by rankings and Rankings are totally useless because there's a range of outcomes for everybody. So, like, just because you know this guy's ceiling is this and this guy's floor is this, that doesn't tell you what they actually are. And right. so, yeah, I mean, that's why I do tiers in startups. Like, that's so important because you want to be able to see who you value simi- similarly, and then maybe you can l- wait around on a particular position. So. Uh-
0: and I, I will say this is the thing I, I love about ADP is that you can find the inefficiencies by using ADP. Because we, we just spoke about, you know, James Robinson is going at pick 30. So we know roughly every draft is different, but we know probably between like 20 and 30 or 20 and 32, that's where James Robinson's going to go. So, if we want him, we got to make sure that we get ourselves in that zip code in order to have a chance at him. And then it also kind of helps you do the what if game. Like, is it better to get your, you know, Kittle and James Robinson, or is it better to get yourself, uh, you know, Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler? Like, wh- which is better? And, you know, that is, those are questions that. You're constantly asking yourself during a startup because you're you're building a team. You, your parts have to kind of interlock and make a team, and you know, hopefully, make a good team. Unless you're doing productive struggle, and then you don't really care. But you know, then you're just trading all your early picks. Look
1: anyways. at the tangent we went on such an inert question. You know, like thanks, Shane. About yeah, good job, Drew. <laughs>
0: uh, so let's see. I think we got. I think we got time for one more. And you know, who knows, maybe it'll, it'll maybe we'll go For down you, another, another rabbit trail. Yeah. Um, this is from Jeff Teffertiller. I hope I said that right. At Jeff Teffertiller. Uh, with Kittle Kelsey and Waller locked in as tight ends one through three. Who is tight end four? And our options here are Hawk, Fant, Andrews, and the guy we talked about earlier, Kyle Pitts. So Bill, since it has one of your Detroit lines in it again, why don't, why <laughs> I'm don't you? I'm gonna sound go like a it? Homer
1: again. No, I'm not. Um, I think that this is a real hard question to ask right now. Like, Pitts is all hype. Like yep. that's what he is right now, because we have no data, right? Like everything for him until the twenty twenty one season kicks off is hype. And so I can't give him the tight end four because we have not seen him in a snap in the NFL. Tight ends traditionally take longer. He's he is a receiving back. He's not really a blocking back from what I understand. So like he's not a Hawkinson who has to learn schemes, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So he's truly basically a big wide receiver. So he's more like Fant than he is Hawkinson. So he has a better chance to pop his rookie year. Um so, I'm not ruling him out, but I can't get him at four right now. I mean, I think that that's just ridiculous. Um, so, it gets down to those three guys, and it's like, okay, I, I like Andrews the best. I think he's the guy that I would want if I, if I felt better about their offense. Um, Fant I like, but I don't like the quarterback, and I don't like all the other options there. Um, Hawkinson, I don't know what to expect because they have a new coaching staff. Um, and you know, who knows how the offense is going to be. Are they going to try to be more like the bills or are they going to try to be more like the saints? You know, like who knows? And so it's one of these things where there's unknown with all three of those guys. So I have to kind of go with the guy I feel has the highest upside of those four. And I think it still is Andrews. Um, I like Hawk. I'm gonna always root for Hack. He's a lion, of course. Like a lot of Lions questions today. That I, but I, I still I, I think that Andrews showed that he is, he's more of like the go-to guy. And e- even though I know the is gonna be lower, I can't say anything about the other ones either. So um, I'm gonna go with Andrews.
0: All right, Drew. Uh, who do you got in the uh, the tight end four race? Man,
2: it hurts. Back in the summer, we talked about who are we staking our flags on. Fant was my tight end for the season, and I, I like him a lot. I've got him everywhere I can. But if I'm doing a startup today, um, I, I think value similar. I think Hawkinson and Andrews – Andrews probably goes earlier than I want, so I, I would settle for Hawkinson and be just fine. Um, seeing where the receivers go, uh, Jones is aging. Who knows if Galladay's back? Um, I think there could be similar opportunity for him as Andrews. If it's a, a, a traditional tight end premium, um, you know Hawkinson, I feel really good about. If it's more touchdown heavy, like I'm in a two QB league where you know receiving touchdowns are worth ten, uh, then I'll take Andrews there um, because he seems to be a favorite of Lamar in the red zone. Um, but yeah, I, I think in, in all things considered, I would rather have Hawkinson over the other three at this point.
0: All right, so we got one for uh, one for Andrews, one for Ha. I owe you one, Drew. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Drew here. Uh, I'm going with Hawk. Um, Bill's right. Pitts can't be, I still win. he, <laughs> he can't be put in that territory until he gets out on the field. Cause the issue is, is that, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to say something that goes back on something I said earlier, but we don't know what Pitts' situation is going to be like. What if Dallas loses their mind and drafts them at 10, you know, like what do you do in that situation where there's three wide receivers plus Blake Jarwin, who was everyone's tight end darling during the preseason Dalton Schultz who actually played a little bit and, and was good it wasn't anything special, but was good. And then you throw Kyle Pitts on it. Like that could just be a mess that you don't want to deal with, you know, Or, you know, what if he goes the pick before that to Denver? They don't upgrade the quarterback situation, and Bill's favorite quarterback, Drew Locke, is out there throwing them balls. Plus, they have Fan out there, and they have a lot of weapons as well, just not a quarterback. that Like, anything can happen, and, you know, people can at me and say, that's never going to happen. But we see every year in the draft things that, you know, you said the day before the draft would never happen – it happens during the draft, you know. If I would have said that CeeDee Lamb was going to the Dallas Cowboys at 17, everybody would have said, that's not going to happen. The draft is insane. It's crazy. Things happen all the time that you don't expect. And so we don't know until he goes there. What are you going to say, Bill?
1: So you brought up CeeDee Lamb, so it kind of like clicked with me. And I remember uh, last year when you uh, and I had uh, Zach Reed on, and we were talking about, um it was right after the draft. He was our guest immediately after the draft and we were talking about him, CD Lamb and uh Amari and we were you were, we were talking about you had mentioned like CD Lamb might be the wide receiver one there, you know, after Amari leaves in a few years. Have you changed your opinion of that? Do you think it'll be earlier than that or do you think it's still going to be until amari because i think it's close but i think it's later than i expected but i think that you know what are your thoughts on uh on him versus amari like who would you rather have
0: so for dynasty i i want lamb because of he's younger. yeah he's yeah in doubt for home? this year That is so tough. I mean, it's really like a one A one B situation, and I I don't know who the A or the B is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So he has caught up, right? Like it's it's like he is arguably at least the wide receiver one there now.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, someone put out a um, some really good stats, and obviously you're basing this off of a very small sample size. Sure, but they were saying Ceedee Lamb, if he had had Dak Prescott all season with where he was at at that point in the season, which was five weeks, he would have had almost 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns, similar to what Justin Jefferson did. You know, obviously, like the the passing rate was insane. Yeah, it was enormous. It
1: was, was unattained. It was like they not couldn't have continued that. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: It wasn't a sustainable pace. Thank you. But words. Now, hey, it's all good. But we under those stats lead us to understand that that is something CeeDee Lamb can do. He can be 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. Not necessarily that he would have been last year with that Prescott, but he has that upside. But you look at what Amari Cooper did last year, and he also proved that he could be 1,200, 1,300 yards and double-digit touchdowns. So it's like, you know – I could flip a coin and pick a guy and still be wrong. So yeah. um I yeah. I would say it's it's so close that I mean we could turn around next year and the roles could be reversed where CeeDee Lamb is the number one guy, but Amari Cooper is right behind him. You know, I don't know. You know, he's shown he can do a little bit in the punt return game and, and that kind of stuff, which is nice. But if we're talking about just receiving itself. Um, I'll go CD lamb, but it's so damn close. <laughs> Do you agree drew?
2: Yeah. I, I feel like it's pretty easy for me to have lamb. I'll take lamb and redraft next year. Um, Cause I, I am trying to think of where, you know, where the, they'd be drafted. I know, I know a lot of people hate on, on Cooper and, you know, home and away and all that. But um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take lamb. I, I think he showed it. He flashes a rookie. Had some some adversity this year go, switching quarterbacks. I mean, my gosh, the thing th- was it the Thanksgiving game? That catch in the end. I mean the kid <laughs> yeah. is is unreal. Uh, Stop pure smiling, talent. Josh. So nice. you know, you put you put Dak back there. Um, you know, if yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll be but, fun to watch for sure. For, but but so going cool. back to our original point, you know, it, it's funny when people are like, well, you know, Kyle Pitts won't go. To Denver because they already have FANT and all these weapons, and you know, and Pitts won't go to Dallas because they have all these weapons. But like, we we just see crazy things in the draft, and I'm not predicting any of that stuff, by the way. But I'm just saying that we can't rule anything out until a player gets drafted and we know yeah. what his team is.
2: Fall to the Bills, baby. Fall or the Bills
0: trade up, like Dawson Knox. What are you talking about, <laughs> Dawson Knox? That like, I mean,
2: that makes me want to jump through a table.
1: No, next year, dude. Like three years. Like, don't be ruling him out. He's only played two years. He's been hurt for half a season, at least. Like, give him a
0: minute. Jeez. Well, everybody's I, so
1: impatient.
0: Bill, come on. We have played Dynasty. We're the most impatient I, people in the world. Seriously, we are so
1: impatient. Like, it's so it's I'm hilarious. We say this every that. off season about tight ends. Three years. Give him three years before you start writing him off. And literally halfway into the season, we're like, this guy sucks. Like Cole Komet hadn't done anything. Everybody's all pissed. Like, he's <laughs> he was the first tight end taken. You know, da-da-da-da. Jimmy Graham. Look at Jimmy. He's like 87 years old. Well, Komet ended up looking pretty solid at the end of the yeah. season. And that's his first year. You know?
0: Well, people it's got just, mad about Cole Komet. But the thing we were saying in the lead up to rookie drafts, the tight end group isn't really good this year. Like I mean, we can't really expect a lot out of these guys, you know, just not, not a lot of talent. And then like people are pissed off that they tip Cole. Komet oh, right. Even <laughs> worse. Yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> because we weren't like, we weren't hyping any Cole Komet. Who cares? Like, Devin yeah. Asiasi and Dalton Keene, and all these. We were like, we didn't give a shit about it. Yeah, anything. they were all
1: third or fourth round
0: picks. Yeah. So and then like, like, then we're like, well, I don't understand why Cole Komet can't beat out Jimmy Graham. Like, I don't freaking get it. Like, why aren't the Patriots tight ends doing anything? They took two guys. I, I thought it was going to be Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski all over again. It's like, didn't you guys say like two months ago, these guys suck and you don't care about them? But, hey, that's it's just dynasty.
1: patience, right? Like, that's the biggest thing right. with tight ends, and that's that's the super inefficiency in Dynasty. Wait until people get frustrated with these guys in their second year, like Gesicki. Everybody was, like, ready to throw him in the garbage after the first year. And and now he's looking like a guy who could, could actually be something. You know, he could be a perennial, you know, tight end one at least. And
0: and by the way, if they get an offensive coordinator that's actually like I don't know, creative, or he, under ninety, right? He he could <laughs> blow up like, like we're talking about like Chan Gailey's offense. You know, he's like he's still trying to run like nineties football. Live through that, no thanks. And <laughs> we all have Drew because he we actually had him as a head coach, that's right? It or yeah. Not. So right at, was it after us or before us? I forget uh that was before you guys because i think he was yeah, the guy right. that came in right after jimmy yeah. johnson got kicked That's, out
2: that sounds about right we pick up everybody else's anyhow so we got our coach now
0: th- you got a good one you got man a good one.
2: let's just and you may play.
0: not lose day ball either uh, i thought geez. he was going to i thought he was going to the chargers <laughs> oh yeah yeah that you was know, a banana tailpipe
1: even that first year when he he got to buffalo like you could tell that they they had, things had changed like they totally had like an identity and it was like wow he can coach like and you know he's they weren't close in games they should have been getting blown out in they like it's impressive the job he has done like i mean he came in and just said this is how we're going to play football and we're going to you know then all of a sudden this year to be versatile enough and open-minded enough to open the offense up like he has, like he did everything he needed to do to build that culture and build that identity. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, see if you can stop us this way now, you know, like you guys are expecting all this. We still have our tough nosed guys and all of a sudden also our offense is stupid prolific.
0: And and by, by the way, just to make, to make Drew feel even better about his head coach, this was the same guy that in Philadelphia, and I. the reason why I know this is because I live in the area, they thought was so bad at defensive coordinator that they fired him in order to bring in the offensive line coach to be the defensive coordinator. And, and this just proves, you know, we, we always talk, we, we use this logical thinking, especially in fantasy, like, well, if this team is smart, what they're going to do is they're going to sign this player or they're going to use this player more. And haven't we seen enough examples that NFL franchises don't always do the smart thing? (laughs) Like Sean McDermott was in Philadelphia, was the defensive coordinator of a team that by the way, didn't have any defensive talent. And they said, you're the problem. We're firing you. Our offensive line coach can do a better job than you. And he's just like, okay, he does a little rehab. I think he went to Carolina after that, did a little rehab gets hired in Buffalo, and the rest is history. Just just remember, people, don't use that logic all the time. And we're jumping and through tables in February. There you go. Drew?
1: <laughs> okay, let's say that the world gets shocked and the Bills win this week.
0: It Who would be that you problem. rather
1: play in the Super Bowl?
2: Oh, man, I, I was actually talking to a-, a buddy about this the other day that um, – if we win the Super Bowl this year, uh, what? There is no way anybody can take anything away from us uh, to have to get through Derek or through Lamar, have to get through Mahomes just to get to the Super Bowl, and then you're looking at one Brady of the greatest or- of all times. Yeah, right. It's yeah. either it's either Brady or or, or uh, Rogers. Uh, as the Bills fan, I, you know, if I were to to write the fairy tale, I would say, give me Brady, Brady and let me crush him. And send him into retirement. That would be that I would be it. the way.
1: As a Michigan State fan, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> and by the way, I don't think it should be all that shocking if the Bills win. To be honest with you, yeah, the, you're right. the I Bills mean, and, but so I don't well. want
1: to build in excuses. Like I think that like they're a good team regardless, and I think they do. Like with Mahomes being a little dinged up, it kind of it does help some um but you're right like even if he was healthy like i think that he they have a shot but i think with mahomes being a little dinged up i mean i think there's truly a door open
0: and, and honestly i i'll even go as far to say that just based on the way both teams are playing currently even if mahomes is at 100% the bills have been if not the hottest team in football like top three hottest teams in football over the last six weeks. I mean, I'll be rooting for you, Drew. We'll take it. The chiefs have been winning games, but they've been winning a lot of close games. They haven't had their normal offensive output. You know, maybe it was just kind of coasting through the end of the season. Who knows? But you know, the chiefs are going to be the favorite. The chiefs should be the favorite, but if the bills win that game, I'm I'm not gonna sit there with my mouth wide open like I can't believe they did it. Like I think it's gonna be a fun freaking game. And I oh, I, I mean I think, I think the NFC Championship game is gonna be a fun freaking game too. But um you got you know three well you have you have two definite Hall of Famers on the NFC side and two young studs on the AFC side and holy, holy man, that's going to be, it's just going to be fun football to watch. We're going to have an awesome Sunday. It's, it's fun football to watch. And, you know, it's nice when you see the best four teams make it and there's, you know, you always love the upset. Yeah. You know, like the giants were this wild card team and they, you know, yeah, now they're in the championship game and that's like fun. But when you see the elite, Elite teams, and I think all four of those teams are elite. You, uh, it, it's a treat. So, um, I, I'll throw my answer real quick because I don't even know if I threw my answer to the, to the tight end four question. Um, or maybe I did. I don't even remember. We got down. Yeah, so- you
1: said Hackinson.
0: Hackinson. So, Hackinson. Uh, <laughs> uh, two for Hawkinson. Bill is not a real Lions fan. He picked some other guy. Um,
1: don't make me tell you my story of the Lions again.
0: Oh oh God. Well, we'll, we don't, we don't want the listeners to to start crying and and putting on sad. We're going to have to put a,
1: like a hotline at the end of the show for people.
0: Jeez. We should, we should create a hotline for lions fans that just want to vent about 50 years of misery. And, you know, but you listen, uh, and this is, this is not joking. I, I actually think you got a good head coach. Uh, just for the fact that he's completely different than the last coach you had, which obviously the players hated. (laughs) So if he's the opposite, the players should want to play for this guy. Uh, He played in the league, so he understands kind of what it's like to be a player. And and he was never never a star, which is going to, you know, probably endear him to probably the bottom 40 guys on his roster because, you know, those are the guys that aren't the stars, but they're doing the dirty work. And you know, he's uh, he got some time to season with uh, uh, why am I blanking on the New Orleans Sean Payton? Payton yeah. uh, he got he got some time to season himself with Sean Payton, learn some tricks. And you know, the the question will be what they do with Matt Stafford. You know, do they keep him? Do they let him go? And then what they do at the wide receiver position because it's. It's my man, Quintez Cephas, and mm-hmm. that's TJ it. TJ Hawkinson. TJ, they might play I, him at that wide receiver. You're probably right. They got nobody else. But no, I, I think it's actually a good pickup for them, and I know a lot of people were like, who's this guy? I've never heard of this guy. No, nah, I,
1: I joked about it. I knew who he was because he played for the Lions. And right. Like, I know, <laughs> you know, I remember him with Miami. I knew the players liked him a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm totally not the guy that's going to, like – Judge before anything happened because like I was still given Patricia the benefit of the doubt going into this season I'm like if if we see like a progression this year You know sometimes it takes some time to you know a system for a system to click I mean there was a lot of other smoke where you had to worry about like the players buying in and that sort of stuff but like I'm usually the guy that's I'm never gonna be critical like I'll cri- be critical of coaching but I'm not gonna be critical of a hire because there's so many things that we're unaware of that like sometimes it's just the proper fit of coach with with players that works, you know? So like I, I love it when everybody gets all up in arms when somebody gets hired somewhere or they think it's the greatest hire ever. Like a couple years ago everybody was so fired when or, or fired up when what's his name got hired with Cleveland.
0: Uh, Freddie kitchens,
1: Freddie kitchens. And I'm like, what makes you believe, like, why are you so happy about this? Like, what makes you believe this guy is a good coach? He came in and coached for five games or something like that, you know, or he was the head or the offensive coordinator.
0: coordinator, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like, he had never been a, even a coordinator before that moment, like in his career. Like what makes you believe he's going to be a head coach? I'm not saying he's going to be a bad head coach, but I can't believe he's going to be a good head coach because I have nothing to tell me he's going to be. So that's kind of how I feel about this. I can't say one way or the other, whether he's going to be good, you know, but they see something they like. So I'm okay with it. You know, you just got to make your decision, hire the guy and hope for the best.
0: (laughs) So, so Drew, uh, obviously, uh, you guys got a good head coach. Bill, I think you guys have a a a good future coach. I I think you know it may not be twenty twenty one or even twenty twenty two, but I think you're going to see improvement. And the Cowboys, I don't even want to talk about their coach because, you know, I I, I wish we would have gotten one of one of those guys instead. But uh, I heard somebody from—I forget if it was a Chicago fan or
2: it might have been a Vikings fan. Said so they were they were so happy for Mike McCarthy. Otherwise, the Packers would have had like
0: five Super Bowls with Rodgers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: That's so true, man.
0: I mean, and, and you know, and, and I kind of did the Bill thing last year, and I said, well, you know, he, you know, he won a lot of regular season games. He won a Super Bowl. Like, let's let's at least see the guy in action before we, you know, make the decision on you know whether he's good or not. Because a lot of a lot of people didn't like the move going in. And those people were right, um, uh, you know, he's he's the guy. So you kind of just have to hope that he does well. But, you know, to to believe he's going to do well is a different story. Mm-hmm. I hope for a lot of things, but I don't yeah. believe in all those hopes. So. Uh, uh, Lin- Lindsay wanted to to pipe in and say uh, the Rams have a good coach. Uh, he, he's all right. You know, he's he's fine, you know. He's got a coaching tree already at 35. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the guy just, I, I, like, I just want to have dinner with Sean McVay and I feel like I could get a head coaching job. If someone's like, you had dinner with him one time? All right, we want you to be the head coach of our team. I'd be like, sign me up. Like, let's go, you know. But, um, yeah, it's insane. You know, he's got, you know, he's got a guy now in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers and you know, he's just, he's spreading his, you know, which is funny because Sean, you know, Sean McVeigh comes from the Shanahan coaching tree and now Kyle Shanahan has Robert Sala in, in, with the Jets. And I mean, I, I, it's good though. I think I'd rather see these guys that haven't gotten a shot, mm-hmm. get a shot to see what they are instead of like seeing the same old guys, like just getting job after job after yes. job. It's like. You know, it's like it's like what you know. Jason Garrett had interviewed for the Chargers job, and, and people are like, hey, you know, you only had like one losing season, and, blah. and It's like, yeah, but like if you ever saw the talent on those teams, mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't come out of over a decade with him at the helm with one Super Bowl—I'm not saying multiple Super Bowls or you know—but like one is insane. So. All right, so on that actually, on that note, I wanted you know I want to give a shout out because I wanted to do this last week and we started started cutting it up with the uh, the Trade Addicts B team and I forgot to mention it. Uh, we got a uh, a review from TK Two K Twelve. He says, "Good analysis. Took a listen to an older episode today, talking about f- favorite players going into twenty twenty. Smart choices, smart dialogue. Um. That's all, Bill. Because that
1: was for what podcast?
0: That um, ours. It, it was oh shit! Left for us. And I said he must have heard just sections with Bill talking because I don't know if anyone has ever said smart choices or smart analysis to anything I've ever done. So um,
1: yeah, maybe it was the time that Drew and I did a show together.
0: Yeah, it probably was. I'm it probably you, was. Um, I don't. You know. I don't blame him. That was probably the episode because, uh, you know, I will say at parts of 2020, I was hyping up a wide receiver one for the Detroit Lions, Quintess Cephas. There were also times during the 2020 off season where I was hyping up uh, soon to be uh, car insurance salesman, Thaddeus Moss. So, you know, we have our, we have our wins and we have our losses, Uh, but uh, (laughs) we try really hard. We're, we, we try hard, damn it. So, uh, on that note, uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. Lindsey was in there. Steve was in there uh, cutting it up. I saw Kevin in there earlier having a good time uh, throwing some things out there like uh, how much how much money we're going to raise for Drew and I to jump through some tables after the Bill's Super Bowl win. Um, you know, we appreciate you guys. You guys make it fun uh just remember hit that subscribe hit that bell so that you know when we go live uh thank you to everybody listening to this in podcast form an hour and 30 minutes that's a long time we appreciate you listening to the end and uh listening to our our foolishness our shenanigans and hopefully you gleaned at least one nugget from uh all of the things that we said um remember if you are listening in podcast form and you're Podcast directory allows you to uh, hit us with a rate, hit us with a review, uh, gets us out there, gets us seen by more people, and uh, we always appreciate that. And on that note, Bill, we are out of here. Late.